This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Young at the Sakasana United Methodist Church, August 15th, 2021. The message is, Why are you crying out to me? Based on Exodus 14, 10 to 25. What a beautiful day. God bless us with this beautiful uh, weather this morning. Let us uh, pray together as we um, prepare our hearts and minds to listen to God's word. Loving, gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for your love, mercy, presence in our lives. As we come together this morning, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come Open our hearts and minds so that we can hear your word, hear you, your life-giving, life-transforming word. Be with us, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One day a very religious man is praying at home when suddenly a tsunami hits. This man climbs to the roof of his house to avoid the flood and start praying to God to save him. Oh God, I have worshipped you all my life. You know how faithful I have been. Please save me from this flood. After a few minutes of this, a guy on a rowing boat sees the man and calls out, Hey, I'm looking for survivors. Hop on. Let's get out of here. No thanks, replied the religious man. I have faith that God will save me. The man on the boat leaves him to his prayers and rows off, and the religious man keeps praying for God to save him. All the while the flood waters are rising, after a few minutes the coast guard's speedboat shows up and pulls up alongside the man on the roof. Hey, come on, yell the ghost guard. The food is the flood is getting worse and we need to go now. It's gonna be really dangerous. No thanks, replies the man. I have the faith that God will save me. So the Coast Guard also lives. The water also, you know, reaching the man's feet and his prayers are more and more frantic. He suddenly hears a helicopter over overhead and that hovers over him, sends down a rope and yells for him, climb up. No thanks, replies the man. All I need is my faith in God and God will rescue me. The helicopter then leaves to save others and a few minutes later the water has risen and the man drowns. Upon appearing at the gates of heaven, he sees God and asks him, God, how could you do this to me? Have I not been faithful to you all my life? Why did you leave me to drown in my time of need? God replies, I sent you two boats and and one helicopter. What the heck more did you want? Well, I'm glad I don't have to remind you that this was a joke. Well, we we laugh at the blind faith of this religious man in this story, but behind this story is a fundamental question about faith, which is not easy to discern, especially in times of stress, distress, and pressure. How do we know when to keep waiting 
for God's direction and intervention and when to take action. How do we discern? How do we make sense of the tension between waiting and take actions as Christians? How do we discern all this? How do we discern whether it's time for us to move on and get moving instead of being still and waiting? It's not always clear in our everyday life journey. When I was serving as a young adult pastor in the South, there was a young woman who was in her uh, mid-30s. She was faithful, brilliant. She was working on her doctoral study in science. And one small group meeting, um, she said, I'm waiting on the Lord to send me the right husband. She wanted more than anything in the world to get married. She said she's ready. She wanted to move on. What happened was she was working too hard spending most of her time in the lab. She was dreaming her ideal partner would arrive in front of her and sweep her off her feet. And yet, she wouldn't allow a time to meet someone. She was clear about what she wanted. Her prayer was desperate. But she wouldn't take actions to make her prayers answered. You know, some Christians want God to send them a clear signal, a sudden revelation in times of major decision-making in their lives. They want to see something tangible, something uh, dramatic, or something that can make them feel certain about God's plan. But we know even a miraculous revelation doesn't always lead people into action. Moses himself was an example of it. In the beginning of Exodus, God speaks to Moses face to face with a burning bush. It shows him some miraculous signs with, this, with his staff. But we know he still objects to what God wants him to do. He makes excuses and, you know, he doesn't, he was, he was, he was hesitant to take that action. Despite the miracle that demonstrates the power of God, he was reluctant to follow God's plan. As we explore the question that God asks humanity in the scriptures, we think about what those questions mean to us today and how we answer the questions if, we are, if they are addressed to us. And this morning we hear another question that God asks us. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? This question is from the book of Exodus, as we know. When people cry out in slavery, you know, God heard them and and answered their cries. That's why God sent them Moses to deliver them, to confront Pharaoh. That's how they were able to get out of Egypt. Whenever Whenever Moses had problems, He cried out to God, and God answered his prayers. And God spoke to him in some understandable ways. But then, why why did God ask Moses this question? Was God tired of hearing their cries? Didn't God want them to cry to him anymore? What's going on here? To better understand the question of God, we 
need to take into consideration the context from which the question was asked. This puzzling question comes to Moses when he and Israel were trapped in the middle of the wilderness. They couldn't move forward because there was a sea in front of them. They couldn't go back either because Pharaoh's army was approaching fast behind them. I mean, what can you do in such a situation? According to the story in Exodus, Israelite did two things. They did two things. First, they cried out to God. They cried out to God. They prayed. As Pharaoh's army was approaching, they looked up and saw Egyptians coming at them. They got into a panic mode. They were afraid, so afraid. So they cried out in terror to God, Save us, O Lord. Second, they started complaining to Moses. In verse 11, they tell Moses, Want the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you leave us alone here in Egypt? We better off as slaves in Egypt than as dead bodies in the wilderness. Hurting words. Very hurting words. Again, that's exactly when God's question came to Moses, the leader of the Israelites. God's question was posed to Moses when he and Israelites were in times of desperate need. Why are you crying out to me? The Lord abruptly cuts up Moses' cries for help and says, Speak to the Israelites. Order them to move on. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand out over the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. What God wants Moses to do here is to stop praying, take action, and move on. In this biblical story, we see two group of people who couldn't move on. First, it was the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt with Moses, but shortly afterward, he realized that he lost his main labor force. So what does he do? He sent his army to, to go after them. Second, it was the people of Israelites. They couldn't move on from their life in Egypt. We could, we could see from their complaint to Moses. Remember last week we talked about um, human tendency when, when we are in guilt and shame. You know, we, we addressed the first question that God asked humanity, where are you? We talked about our human tendency. When we are stuck and feel trapped, in the present, for whatever reason, one of our human tendencies is to idealize and romanticize the past. Well, things were better in the past. Sounds familiar? Being stuck with the challenges in the present, you're actually stuck with what's behind. If we examine this mindset carefully, we come to realize that it is based on the assumption that things will not change that things won't be better in the future either. Therefore, there's no point of taking actions. What we strive for 
is simply futile and meaningless. Friends, what is mi missing here? What, what are we are failing to see here? We fail to see what lies ahead. The new reality that God has in store for us. The, the new reality that God is already walking on for us. I've been a Christian all my life. This means over 40 years. Some of you have been uh, a Christian even for longer years. But no matter how long you have been a Christian, it takes a journey to learn that it is one thing to believe God is capable of everything. And it is another thing to fully entrust God with what our life brings to us. Things that challenges, challenge us, things that weigh us down. We pray and say to God, Lord, we cast our fears and our worries, our concerns onto you. You are the God of power. You are the God Almighty. I trust you. But then as soon as we finish this prayer, open our eyes and face the reality, we question whether God will really come through. So the question for all of us here this morning becomes, do you have faith in our God being capable and able, but struggle to trust that whether God is willing and ready? To move on means to move from simply trusting to deeply entrusting. Let me say that again. To move on as a Christian means to simply trusting God, to deeply entrusting God with our lives. By entrusting, I mean to act as if God has already worked things out in our life versus questioning whether he will come through. And this is what today's question leads us. Why are you crying out to me? There are at least three things in our lives that makes it difficult for us to move on. They all begin with uh, alphabet D. First, dissipation of our resources, which was the case of Pharaoh. He lost his major labor force, right? Second, the disruption of our plans which was the case of the Israelites, who was heading toward the promised land. So first, the dissipation of our resources. Second, the disruption of our plans. And finally, dissolution of relationships. Dissolution of relationships. In today's world, people talk about moving on in the context of relationships, especially after loss of the relationship, whether it's because of relational breakup or loss. You hear, you hear people saying, it's really time you should move on. Get on with your life. What's in the past is in the past. Stop dwelling on it. Move on. Even though this might be a well-intentioned advice, we know it's not always helpful. If we could move on, most of us would have done it long time ago. Moving on after the three conditions I just mentioned is harder than it sounds. You've been hurt before and you don't want to get hurt again. Or you've already tried to move on and it failed for some reasons. Or you may be ready and willing to move on, but you honestly don't know where to start. 
We feel like we got some insight, but not sure if we really, we are really changed to move on and get moving. English comics artist, writer David Gibbons once pointed out that we live in an insight intoxicated culture where we believe change is about the insight that we heard and got chills from. It can be at a conference or in a church service or listening to a favorite inspirational podcast. When we hear something insightful, there is a physical sensation we experience. But does this mean that we have changed? Maybe, but the truth is that we haven't done anything. Feeling something great insightful doesn't mean that you went through transformation. You felt something but didn't act on the reality that was unveiled. If you want to improve our community or society, you pray about it, you think about it, but just don't just pray and wait for the right time. You have the ability. Most of us are afraid to take action, however, to take action, to make a difference. Jesus did it. We know that. His disciples did it. Martin Luther King Jr. did it. Why can't we? You see um, here some of the bags and school supplies donated by our church family. You know, in our community, there are families in need, and they're, they're having difficulty getting what they need. This, this isn't little things, but we, something that we could do with great love, something that we could do to make a difference in the lives of our community. We'll still have time. Tomorrow is the deadline. If you want to contribute to life of children in need in our Roxbury community, you still have time. We will deliver them uh, to the Roxbury Social Services tomorrow. So bring, them, bring your donations by tomorrow morning. We can still use those of the donations. If your marriage or relationship has become toxic, don't just pray that one day everything will be all right. You have to make efficient solution to save the relationship. Seek counsels from wise, from your relationship circle or from our church family. Try counseling if it doesn't help. Don't wish for your partner to change. Stop waiting. Stop hoping. Maybe it's probably you who needs to change. You might be uh, realizing it as you are taking actions in the process. Friends, we all been there in heartbreaking life situations where people have wronged us and things haven't gone the way we would like. Yes, moving on, moving past them is difficult. But with God, all things are possible. Again, to move on means to take actions in the moments when you feel stuck, when you feel trapped. To move on means to fully trust that God is willing and ready to move with us and that that God will be working things out eventually. 
Most of the time you don't see the entire roadmap that God puts us. As Martin Luther King Jr. noted, faith is taking this first step even when you don't see the entire staircase. That's what, what it means to take the first step in our faith. If you feel stuck in your life, if you feel you're trapped between life situations, and if that is the case, friends, I invite you to consider today's God's question seriously and take it as a question that God asks you today. Remember sometimes taking positive Constructive action, moving along a path we believe in, and despite the risk, requires more faith than waiting on a special sign. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? If God asks you this question this morning, and if this is God's question for you today, friends, move on and get moving in the power of God. Amen.